Hello. Hello. How are you, Ben? I'm good. Holy, it worked today. Yeah, no, no issues. No issues. And guess what? What? I am hardwired in my office. It is, Excellent. It is fixed. Do you remember a couple of episodes ago? I told you that there's oh like this. that there was like uh, it was you had a hardwired connection to your computer, but <laughs> somewhere between your computer and the internet, uh, there was a Wi-Fi. Correct. It doesn't exist anymore. Well, I mean, it still exists, but I don't. I'm not part of it. That's cool. How, who did you have to to pay off to get that uh, oh. special inside? connection oh multiple levels of bureaucracy <laughs> God, it's so it's so great someone someone should write write a, a show about the bureaucracy of of academia <laughs> um but i think all the administrators would listen to it would they no they no wouldn't. no they probably never even listened to the wire no <laughs> i was just uh you we we had a we had an email exchange which of course inevitably led me to searching for the wire on the internet and uh, i just finished i think we talked about this already i just finished season five and now i've watched the first scene from season one episode one and i'm I'm afraid i'm sucked back in oh my gosh you're you're right you're in a an endless cycle of the I'm wire an endless wire cycle yes well there, there are worse things you could be yes. in an endless <laughs> cycle of some other some sitcom cheers well the cosby show you could be in an endless it would have to be a bad sitcom though because cheers and, and cosby yeah. show were both critically I, maybe bosom sure. buddies it could well but i think there's a cult following there um maybe mm. it's family three's company that <laughs> three's company yes it will meet the ropers you're in an endless yeah, no cycle. that's it that's yeah. it perfect because three's company also has a cult following yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder. I imagine they're all on Netflix or on Hulu. I don't know. I haven't. I don't. I don't spend a lot of time on uh, old um, sitcoms. I say what that. Was... I say that, but I. But I am watching still Undeclared, which I mentioned a couple episodes back. What was that? What was that sitcom that had Valerie Bertinelli in it? Uh, the Hogan Family. No. <laughs> <laughs> that. Oh. Um, no, I know the one. Not. I was thinking of Valerie Harper. Um, right. Uh, this is the same vintage. Yeah, I don't know. Um, anyway, we're, we're we watch uh, uh, Hot in Cleveland, which has Valerie Bertinelli on it, and uh, yeah, I always flash back to the teenage me watching the teenage Valerie Bertinelli in that show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I, I've, you know, <laughs> Suddenly, this is a very different podcast. Yeah, I don't think we should mention that in uh, uh, Outbreak Flashback. Maybe this is Outbreak Flashback. It's sitcom flashback. Could be, but you know we have a special uh, we have a special show today, Ben. We do. We've got a, we, we, we've got a, we're breaking format. <laughs> That's what they say. That's what they say. Uh, we're going to uh, try and connect with uh, with our good friend, your friend, my friend, uh, Doug Powell, who after sixty episodes, um, after after telling me he he didn't want to come on the show until we were established, um, and then got upset when we haven't invited him. Uh, on uh, he he said that he wants to come on and, and my, see my recollection was he didn't want to come on because he didn't really like the show and he said he 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 offered a very um, uh, very detailed or or very to the point critique uh, uh, and he said that we laughed too much and it was just uh, I just got the impression that he just wasn't didn't want to be associated with us but now he does so um, so let's add him in let's, all right let's see so I'm I'm gonna try I've got it I've got it ready let's see if I can do this okay. I'm here. Can oh, he's me? here. Oh, hey, Doug. So you can both hear me. Yeah. Yep. So, so welcome to the podcast, Doug. 
It's, oh. it's, it's good to have you here. You're always here in spirit. Are we're, we live now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll, we'll, we'll edit that out in post. But, uh, yes, okay. we are, we're recording. That's fine. Good. And, Glad to be here. Glad to finally be invited. <laughs> we did just talk about this. We're, we both kind of recollect that you, you didn't like our format and didn't want to be on. But, uh, and then said that you would come on when we were more established. So, so we're here. We're more established now. Or at least we haven't gone. Maybe more established. I just wish you'd edit yourselves more. Right. That was the comment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, we we do need an an editor. So if you want to volunteer to spend hours a week editing the audio to your satisfaction, hey, um, we've got an opening. It doesn't pay well. (laughs) In fact, it doesn't pay at all. But It doesn't pay at all. And, yeah, I don't have a university job like you guys. Well, yeah, cushy university job. Exactly. That's true. <laughs> don't don't tell anyone. Word will get out, and then everyone will want one. Mm, yeah. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps the 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 uh, discussion topic of working at a university should probably should not be. Uh, uh, we should probably we should probably leave it at that and move on to food safety. It could be its own discussion. Yeah. No one would care because they would all just look at you and say, "You are spoiled brats." So, <laughs> and they and they'd be right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did just um, mention to Dom before we connected with you that uh, I have figured out how to fix internet in my office after layers of bureaucracy, and we su- suggested that maybe that's a whole uh, a podcast on its own on layers of bu- bureaucracy at a university, but but probably no one would listen to it. No, no one cares about your problems. Exactly. They, just, they care about how much tax dollars go into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is kind of how it works. Don and I just talk, and now you're going to talk with us. And That's sometimes fine. we talk about food safety stuff, and sometimes we talk about other things. Um, and uh, and people, people seem to listen, uh, or at least a few people do, and then send us messages where either they like what we do or or don't like it, but uh, we don't have a this. This is not a uh, interview Doug Powell podcast. Uh, we just no, want, we just wanted to, we just wanted to chat. We haven't had a chat the three of us for a while. No, it's, and that's fine. And and really, that's all it's about. Whether you're doing a blog post or a podcast or whatever, is you just throw it out there, and uh, people will comment accordingly. It's uh, it's all about uh, generating content and having soul. Having well, soul, that's right. Well, and 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 I think you know, and one thing I've learned from from you guys, it's it's about stories, and and I would say too, one of the things that, that I've learned from you know teaching lots of short courses over the years, I would much rather have a conversation with somebody about something than to lecture. Or be lectured too, for that matter. And in fact, we've one of the things that that Ben and I have talked about a number of times on the podcast, although not much recently, is how god awful many of the government scripted podcasts are. Because it is just that it's a scripted com- it's it's a conversation, but it's only a conversation in the sense that first one person talks and then the other person talks. But it's scripted. You know exactly how it's going to go. You know exactly all the the points along the way, and and that's not what we're doing here. We're trying to have an authentic conversation. We're trying to talk about stuff that matters to us, and uh, you know. 
obviously food safety matters to us and matters to you. Otherwise, we wouldn't have you on the podcast. And so, but we we never know when an episode starts. I mean, we have rough idea of what we might want to talk about, but we never know uh, once the podcast starts where we might end up. Well, I think the the whole thing is you got to have some soul, right? And this is why I hate Chapman so much, is because <laughs> I do all the groundwork all the background work and he comes up with like a one sentence soundbite that gets all the attention <laughs> and it's been that way for years it's really what i add it's, <laughs> it's the only thing it's true <laughs> so he comes up with this one sentence soundbite and he's famous for it you know whatever the topic is and in this case it's got to have soul and um i really think that's what's missing in when we talk about food safety and risk communication. I mean, risk communication, what a terrible term. Like, what does that mean? I don't know. Well, well, I mean, let's break it down. There's a definition of risk and there's a definition of mm-hmm. communication, right? But And you put those two things together. But my perspective over the years has changed from risk communication being something that, well, we're going to explain to people what they need to know, right? Where it's the Mm -hmm. risk managers talking to the general public saying, no, 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 we got this. Don't worry about this. It's like one drop of, uh, you know, one molecule of salt in a swimming pool or whatever to, well, we really ought to listen to what people think about this issue and then consider that as we, as we make our risk management decisions. Right. And for me, what I've found over the years is just hanging out in grocery stores and talking to people has been as, as informative as reading scientific, you know, papers on the whole area. And uh, I always try to mix that in because, I mean, we're all parents. We are all shoppers. Let's try to make, give it some soul. So what, when, you, when, you're ta- when you run into somebody in the grocery store, Doug, and you're talking to them, um, do, you, do, do, you, do you start with a question or do you kind of look at what they're doing and, and listen to what they have to say? I mean, is that, do you have a, a process for how you do that or is it, is it just a matter of uh, just winging it each time? It depends. If we're doing a scientific study, then there's a script so that it can be um, categorized and peer reviewed, but on my own, what is what I do anecdotally. And that's what usually leads to the script eventually. And it's mainly, I just, like I talk to parents at the swimming pool, at the hockey rink. Um, you can't come on too heavy if you're in the grocery store, you can't just walk up to someone and go, why are you doing that? But you just watch them and, and and people are very friendly and they're in a social setting and you just start talking to them and you can ease them into it. It's not like you see a pregnant woman and go, oh my God, why are you buying deli meat? Right. That's not going to go over too well. Well, and and one of the (laughs) things that, that you, you taught me and, and we've talked about Don, um, and, you know, we, we talked about it in relation to, to raw milk, but it, but it's out there in, in lots of different forms is this concept that, that our food safety nerd friends um, often come at this, 
this issue of engagement or communication really, really heavy. Like, oh, you're just an idiot. Why don't you know what I know? And if you knew what I knew, you wouldn't make the same, you wouldn't make these choices or you wouldn't make um, the decision that you're making. But it's, but it's very, um, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's very sort of talking down to, to people that, that mm-hmm. don't, that aren't in, in our world. And that, I mean, that, that's, that's exactly what turns people off. Like that's, that's it's the whole, that's the whole fact based approach, you know, like here are the facts. If only you knew the facts, like I knew the facts, you would think differently and that doesn't work. And it's been shown not to work for decades. But so, yet still, people still do that. Yeah. Yeah, I know they do, but they should know better. And, and it's and it's Don. <laughs> I think it's more than people still do it. I mean that that's the main approach, right? Right. It's not even that. It's oh well, there's some stragglers that still don't that that are still taking this approach. I mean that is that's the approach that's out there from you know from all of the um, all of the messaging or, or the majority of it. I shouldn't say all of it, but um, it's definitely predominant. Well, and but but and that's where we we as and again many people you know people like us people who who are in these risk management positions in in companies or in in and federal agencies we're scientists right and so we just think if only if only people understood I mean that's that's the bias of a scientist right I mean that's what's what we we're motivated by facts we we go to try to to find facts or we try to find data we fit them to theories and then we use that to to reason about the world so. That's our that's our worldview. So I can you know let me let me kind of play the devil's advocate here for a minute and say I understand why people um, uh, want to do that. On the on the other hand, if these people are scientists, they ought to be motivated by what the literature says. And if the literature says that your fact based approach doesn't work, well, gosh, you know that's you know kind of on a meta level that that would tell you it's time to change your game. Well, there's a few areas. There's a few aspects to that. First of all. Facts are never enough. If they were, then we'd have a whole bunch of different decisions. We wouldn't have measles outbreaks like we're having oh, right now. God, yeah. Okay, so yep. <clears throat> that's not fact based. Um, so you got to tell stories and convince people through behavior. We're scientists, and we want to people to do the best thing. But even us as individuals do things that are dumb. And we should be willing to admit that. Do you always act in a fact-based domain? No, no, No. of course not. Of course not. Okay, so let's let's acknowledge that not everyone does that. And then say, let's tell them some stories, which may be compelling, but leave it up to them instead of lecturing. Well, you know, one of the other things on that, is this concept that people just won't understand if we tell them all of it. So let's let's dumb it down and tell them that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, but that's it doesn't work, but that's the other that's the other piece here. It's like let's tell them knowledge, but let's not tell them all of it and um and we'll and it'll and, all just happen. Yeah, and let's write to like a grade 8 reading level or something. That's what ag communications teaches or something like that it's just stupid yeah i uh i had a conversation with some of the extension folks the administrator people 
um, <laughs> here. And Are you sure you want to go here? Yeah. You might be but... No, no, no. Doug, you got to have he's soul. Got, he's... <laughs> um, no, I, I mean this is this is why this is why we do the the podcast like this. So, so I had a conversation um, because I'm trying to help answer better, you know, questions better, but not just look at it like here we are in this reactive nature. Let's get more information out there, and let's, I mean, really take the the concept of the information center that that you had. Um, when we were back at Guelph and, and put it into an online kind of format and say, let's, let's get people to text in questions and let's get them to, um, to do this on Twitter and, and how would we do this? And so the conversation um, revolved around what does someone in a, in a county in North Carolina from a family and consumer science standpoint need to know and how much of the information, this is the question that, um, that the administrator posed to me was, you know, why aren't we just telling them what to do? And I said, well, here's the, that's a philosophical difference. You might want to be able to tell them what to do. What I want to do is tell them why, what, why the risks are there and let them make a decision. And we can't just do that in a, in a fact sheet or telling them what to do. This is really about having a conversation. It's really about um, having personal touch in a not creepy way. Um, you know, online, everyone's looking for. How's that working out for you? Well, I don't. I mean, it, so the the conversation was okay. Go ahead and try it, and I was I, I was positive about it. I thought, okay, well, let's let's do it. But that's, I, I was just wondering how many people you creeped out. Oh, many. I mean, yeah. Beyond okay. this, <laughs> but but I mean, that's the I, I you know the traditional look at this stuff in, in extension that you know Doug or uh, Don and I are both part of is is very much okay well you're the you're the specialist and I mean it even goes back to the root of the name the title right it's you're the specialist and you're going to come you're special for some reason and you're going to come tell me what to do and and that's not um I mean that's not what the literature says I guess and no, so and that goes back to the communication model of that people are empty filters waiting to be filled with knowledge and that's been shown to be false for a long time they are not empty vessels waiting to be filled. But they are interested in certain things that are relevant. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, Ben, you mentioned specialists, which made me think, you know, what are we more special than? And, you know, maybe we're more special than the agents, right? Which is, I mean, I, I say that, you know, jokingly. I mean, I, some of the uh, county agents I work with are some of the best folks. And that, that made me think of a conversation I had recently with Wes Klein, who's a county ag agent here in New Jersey. And Wes said, you know, I, I really want to do kind of an advanced food safety course for growers because many of them have had the basic good agricultural practice training, but I want an advanced training and I want to focus on sanitation. And, and he, he made the trip all the way up to my office and we sat and we chatted last week. And it, it, as the more I chatted with him, the more I realized what I really wanted to do was to sit down I mean, yes, maybe we might come up with an advanced food safety for growers course, but what I really wanted to do first was to sit down with a bunch of his best and brightest, his leaders, his ag leaders, ag farmers in New Jersey that were real leaders and say, okay, let's talk about what we know about sanitation in packing houses and and and, and best sanitation practices. And 
And and I told Wes, as as he knows, there there isn't scientific agreement on what the best practices are. So let's sit down with these guys in New Jersey. Let's figure out what their questions are. Let's let's frame the the conversation. Let's figure out what they think the best practices are. Let's see where we can find support for any of that in the peer-reviewed literature, and then let's have a conversation about how we develop this training course. And and it didn't occur to me until just now when we were having this conversation that, in fact, that's, I think, exactly the approach you guys are talking about. And, and I guess I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of pleased that my – because if, if Wes had asked me to do this 10 years ago, I would have just said, OK, no problem. Let me sit down and let me read the literature and then I'll come back and I'll teach a best practices, advanced food safety sanitation uh-huh. to these growers. And, and I don't do that anymore because I, I know that I'm going to look like an idiot if I get up there and tell them stuff that's inconsistent with what they know that they can do. So whatever, whatever best practices, whatever advanced food safety sanitation I come up with, it's got to be something that, that they can do and it's got to be realistic in their world and from my perspective it has to reduce risk and and let's talk together about what we can find that that meets both of those criteria look 14 years ago i was working with a farmer in ontario and ben was there that was as he just started out with me and uh we even shot video i think there's even a video on youtube somewhere about with jeff wilson talking about water we were talking about irrigation water quality in 2000 Mm. on a fruit and vegetable farm. And he said, look, if I need to water my crops, I'm going to get water from wherever I can. I don't care because that crop's going to die and not go to market. So you want to tell me about on-farm food safety and water quality? You better be realistic about it. Yeah. But that was 14 years ago. Yeah. And it's, I mean, be realistic about it and know that I've got a lot of trade-offs that I'm working around. I'm trying to figure out how to market this product. I'm trying to figure out how to get the most out of it. And and you, you know, the, you you food safety nerds are only looking at, you know, sometimes one aspect of, of this. And while it's an important one, I got all these other competing issues going on. So, oh, and the retailers are going to go for the lowest price crop anyway. Right. Well, so. and if he doesn't, if he doesn't water it, then he's going to have zero crop. So, exactly. so that that's not an option, right? That's exactly was his point. Was what do I do? Yeah. And so, how can we in the food safety community help that grower? And not not sort of say <laughs> over and over again. Well, there's a risk associated with water, so so yeah. go manage it, right? And and yeah, and the quality, the qual- well, or or to or to set up impossibly high standards and say, well, okay, um, your your water that you use to irrigate your crops has to meet drinking water standards, or it has to meet bathing water standards, or whatever it may be. And the, you know, speaking now now putting on my risk assessor hat for a minute, I know that there's a whole lot of complicated stuff going on there, right? Like where. Where are you getting the water from and what's the microbial quality? Yes, but how are you applying it? 
Um, where are you applying it? How long before harvest are you applying it? I mean, one of the things that, that I'm really excited about uh, right now is I have a, a PhD student who um, is working with actually a lot of data provided by Michelle Danilock down in Florida. And so we, we have now, after several years of work, we have data on microbiological quality of water. We have data on survival of pathogens or indicator organisms when cool. this water is applied uh, to the, the, the crop in the trees. We actually even have data now on salmonella transfer from peeling of these, of these products. And, and then we just couple that with a dose response model. And now all of a sudden we have this model from, from production all the way through consumption that will actually help. And this is the, all of this was done um, with the, the, the regulated industry or the relevant industry in Florida kicking and screaming and insisting that they didn't have a problem and why the hell was she doing all this research. Um, and so despite the fact that they really don't want to be helped, we're going to have end, ended up helping them because it's, because it's an interesting problem. And it's a problem that obviously at some point needs to be solved. Well, yeah. And I mean, the thing with Jeff back in 2000 was like, I have to water. Um, what should I do? And we're, we were talking about things like adding chlorine to drip irrigation. And he's like, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> right. Like, give me, give me something. Give me something yeah, practical. So how, how can we help? How can we help growers? Because they, they, my experience in all the years I've worked with them is they don't want to be food safety experts. They just want to make a buck and produce good food, but they don't want to make anyone sick. So how can we best help them? Because that's supposed to be our jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and one of the things that that you've been you've written about a bunch on on the blog is around, you know, regulations are, are one thing because it's the lowest bar, right? It's the, this is what, it is soci- the lowest bar. Yeah, yeah, this is what society is going to, going to accept if you're going to get into this business and, and everyone um, who strives to hit that bar is, is not doing, you know, is not doing a great job. Um, it's the Pinto defense. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is now ingrained in my consciousness. So I can also quote that. Uh, thank you for that, Doug. My, my friend, uh, when I was in high school, had a Vega, which also had a tendency to blow up now and then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, exciting. So I'm aging myself. <laughs> well, and, and on the, the regulation thing, you know, Michelle... Um, Danilek also gave this really great talk last year at IAFP where she kind of deconstructed that drinking water, bathing water standard and said, look, if we hit, if we, we go for whatever the Food Safety Modernization Act says for irrigation water in Florida, we'll be missing a bunch of salmonella and also we won't be doing much at all. <laughs> so... So let's let's figure out what the right numbers are, or even if there are right numbers. Um, but but what what you've proposed is really not um, not risk based. Well, think of Chapman when you were in Ontario, the Bradford Marsh. Yeah. Um, they were taking all their irrigation water from these surface canals, which were just loaded with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and throwing it out there. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, we couldn't correlate it to any outbreaks or to any risk because we didn't have the studies that Don just described, but I think we had an inkling there was something bad there yeah. or potentially bad. The Holland marshes where a lot of the fruits and vegetables for Ontario are grown. Well, but let's, you know, this, and this might be a nice way for us to segue to uh, artisanal cheese. So, you know, how do you, how do you... Yes, uh, because when I think Bradford, I think cheese. <laughs> well, no, I, you I'm, think I'm artisans. About, yeah, <laughs> yeah or, or as some people call it, artisanal cheese. Right. Um, but uh, uh, the, no, the point is, is that, that very often we have to make decisions when there is an appearance of risk or there is a, there is risk right and and again we saw this play out recently in the news and you know that there was some some good some good blog posts on on barf blog that Doug wrote and <clears throat> I also uh, shared with you guys uh, a lot of the discussions that we had via email informed uh, the the one interview on this that that I did but here you have a situation where FDA is acting in compliance with their own regulations, but doing something that and doing something that will nominally reduce risk or at least has the appearance of reducing risk, but might in fact not be risk based so um, how do you what do you do in that context where okay, we know that using water from the Bradford marsh is is potentially risky we know that storing uh, artisanal cheeses on wooden shelves is potentially risky. How do how does a company navigate that, or how does a regulator navigate that, where it's clear that the science is not established yet? Well, I think that uh, it it comes back to uh, the people who use paper towels on bathroom doors on their way out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with epidemiology, there's a potential risk, but where are the bodies? Right. Well, and, and, and is we're that, not seeing them. And, and I mean, is that the difference between risk and risk based? It's like a prioritization situation where where people not in the risk world would just say, "Well, there is a risk," and really, risk based is here's the risk, and let's make a management decision about which one of these risks or which ten of these risks we can really put our efforts towards and let's not worry so much about things that, that still have a risk, but it is low compared to the others. I think I look at, uh, you know, what GM's going through now. My father worked in the auto parts industry and the combine industry for many years. And, uh, what GM's doing now, um, where they're saying, Oh yeah, we did, have a bad risk management system and a bunch of people died. Um, And that story is slowly unraveling, but that all goes back to management of risk. And it really is um, as a company, as a government, as a society, are you willing to manage things appropriately or do you just hope that you'll just get away with it and let it slide? Well, and, and I think that's probably 
some of both of that, right? So yeah, there's some there of is. some of some yeah. of that. Well, let's just hope that nobody catches us on this one. I mean, I think with the uh, artisanal cheeses, some of the stuff that FDA was saying at the beginning was just poorly thought out, right? It was it was right. not risk based. I mean, it had the appearance and it sounded vaguely scientific, but again, the one the one document, uh, the word document that came my way via email was just abysmal. I mean, it was horribly written by a low level bureaucrat and obviously hadn't been reviewed up the chain. Whereas the the prepared statement that FDA put on their website a couple of uh, days later was much more clear and much more well thought out and very much sounded like FDA policy speak but but it was kind of, you could tell that some some high level folks had looked at it and, and put their stamp on it as opposed to this initial thing which was just um, frankly was embarrassing for the agency so yeah. but but how do you how do you as an as an agency or as a company how do you deal with uncertainty i mean we've talked we've talked about this i know before in person at IAFP and other places. So what do you, what do you do when you just don't have all the facts? When you don't have all the facts, you admit that you don't have all the facts. And then you say, this is what we're doing to get more knowledge. And when we get more knowledge, we will let you know, and you'll hear it first from us, not from anyone else. That's an op- open and honest brokering with the public. And do you think that works? Uh, It worked with mad cow disease in Canada in 2003. Mm -hmm. And And yeah, I think it does work. Admit uncertainty. I mean, how can it not work? If if you admit that you're certain, then you're going to fail. You admit uncertainty. You say, this is what we know. This is what we don't know. Here's what we're doing to find out more. And there are many case studies that show that that works. But why do you think um, government officials and, and company officials are so reluctant to take that approach? Because clearly, I mean, well, first of all, do you, do you agree that they are reluctant? And, and then if so, yes. why? In many cases, they are. Because they think they won't get caught. It's mm-hmm. like. The kid stealing candy from the store, they think they won't get caught. So they go ahead and do it. Mm. And, and, they and, prob- then, and then when they get caught, it's a lot worse. Yes. And they also don't want to not look like the experts. I think there's, especially right. at the regulatory level, there's a reluctancy to say, we don't know because they can't answer the question or they, they're uncomfortable with the next question of, well, why don't you know? Cause you, you're supposed to know. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, there's, there's an answer uh, for that as well as, as Doug kind of just laid out with, with the openness of, well, here's what we're doing to find out more. Here's how we've made our decision. This is all the information that we have right now. This isn't a, a, a dead end conversation. We, we're we're trying to progress this, but but we really we really don't know right now. Yeah, Don, are you comfortable with saying you don't know publicly? I'm trying to get better at it, <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I uh, no nobody. Well, and and you know from from a professional standpoint, no, no, don't say nobody. You're. I'm just asking you. 
Yeah. So from <laughs> from a from a professional standpoint, I am I am getting better at it, right? Hence my conversation earlier with Wes Klein about what do we do when we sit down uh-huh. with these uh, farmers and and develop a best practices. I, you know, where I think I am maybe less comfortable is with my kids. You know, I mean that's the and you know again we all have kids of, of various and different ages. Um, how do you how do you react when your kids come to you and you're supposed to be the Freaking parent, right? You're supposed to be the grown up, and you're supposed to be able to give them helpful advice, and you don't have a clue. Welcome to life. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you can hear the background where I am, but uh, there's vacuuming going on outside my office. So perhaps it'd be best if you guys talk amongst yourselves for a okay. minute. The thing is, welcome to life. I've got five daughters, and. They have all gone through, they're all different. They're all, they've all experienced their own things. And uh, it's okay to say to them, you don't know what's going to happen here. And the best you can do is equip them with tools to handle whatever faces them. So in my case, I teach them hockey. And, and and that's not a bad tool to have. Right. And you, you give them some insight into what you do know about to, to highlight areas uh-huh. that you don't know and say, this is why we're all kind of working on this together. But they, but they don't really care. They just want to know how to play hockey. Right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, that it's different. <laughs> I, I don't look at, um, I don't look at any of the people that I'm working with or for or what you know, whatever the the setup that we have as as my kids. I mean, it's it's different. Um, you know, my my children are are looking to, to me to protect them. Where I don't think I, I don't have the philosophy that consumers are looking at me as as someone who works for the state, you know, state school to protect them. They want me to give them some information. Um, they want it to be uh, in a form where they can make decisions, and and so you know, Don, to your, I mean, to your question, I don't have a problem telling telling folks that I that I work with um, or or for. I don't know, and and let me let me look at what anybody else kind of knows about this to help answer your question or help you with this problem. I think that's you know, it, it's different. It, I don't look at them like like they're my kids, and I don't know. I don't think that's what you're saying, but but that's. I, I think it's two different things. Yeah, no. My 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 point was, I'm getting increasingly more comfortable in work situations talking about where I do and don't have expertise, or or you know, distinguishing between where I know versus where I don't know versus where I know the answer is not known by anyone, right? And, and, and also to a certain extent doing that with my kids, uh, especially my older son who was very much like continually asking me why, 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 you know, and eventually it beca- I could tell him why on a lot of things and some things I couldn't tell him why and some things I finally said, look, you need to go learn how to look that up yourself um, or, you know, hey, you can try to look that up, but I'm pretty sure nobody knows the answer to that question. So, um, but it's but it's hard, especially again. My point is in bringing kids into it is you know in a professional context maybe we can learn, but with kids I think we still 
try uh, – at least conventionally when you have kids, it's sort of in, you're in a situation where you are expected to be the parent, right? You're expected to be the expert even though we hear over and over again that you know, nobody really knows what they're doing when it, come, when it comes to kids. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. just hope that I can help them get to a stage where they make their own decisions all the time and not the state of North Carolina doesn't make decisions for them after and, they leave my home. And, and, hopefully, uh, and hopefully they're making relatively good choices or progressively better choices. Yeah, and they function. Um, Look, I figured out a while ago that you got till they're about five years old and then they're on their own. Um, and I got four older kids, 27, 24, 21, 19. They've all turned out pretty much okay. They've taken different paths, but they have the curiosity that I had. And uh, two of them have studied neuroscience, which is weird. <laughs> so they helped me with my own neuroses. <laughs> um, and uh, it's been great. You know, you, you just don't know where to go, where it's going to go. Once they turn five, they're on their own. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, here's a very unnatural segue. Um, as well, <laughs> so speaking of people making decisions on their own, um, one of the things that, that you've written about and, and we've talked about a bunch is um, sprouts and and the 80 plus outbreaks that have been linked to, um, to raw sprouts and, and that certain retailers, I mean, Walmart and Kroger's have removed the product and they, they don't, they no longer sell them to consumers cause they're not um, interested in carrying the, the risk. But, but what I'm sort of interested in chatting about is, is the, the Jimmy John's franchise and, and their decision to, you know, because sprouts, I guess are so, integral into their business model um their interest in trying to find a way to keep it on their menu and then being linked to their third or i think it's third outbreak um associated with these products but it's it's this you know it's a question of why you know how how long is it until this business decides that that's too much risk or or will they you know will they ever and and what do you you know what's your take on that why do you think they're why are they doing this? Well, let Go me ahead, Don. Let, let me well let me let me not answer your question, but answer a different question. If if, if, if Jimmy, <laughs> well, I, usually but, but, usually they teach you to do that with listen answer bridge, right? I'm right, just going to right. go straight to bridge. Um, so. Uh, I think that this, if, if Jimmy John's called me up tomorrow and said, "Oh God, please help us with this sprout situation," I would say, "What are your requirements for a sprouter to sell to you. And, and, and again, Doug had a, a blog post on, on sprouts recently, and I put something in the, in the comments there on it. What I want to know in these situations is what I want to know is, is the, is the sprouter uh, testing their seeds? Are they selling from a seed – are they buying from a seed supplier that tests the seeds? Are they testing their irrigation water? And, and not only do I want to know the answers to those questions, I want to know the specific 
specifications. Like, so if they're testing their seeds, how are they doing it? If they're testing their irrigation water, how are they doing it? If they, if they have, if they're buying from a uh, certified seed supplier, which supplier are they buying from? And what is that supplier's program for managing that? And, and I really think, and I, you know, I could be wrong because I don't have any data, but I know from many years of, well, from doing some research on this, as well as many years of conversations with uh, Bob Sanderson, who's the current president of the International Sprout Growers, um, like there are things that you can do to manage that risk. And, and my suspicion is that Jimmy John's is not doing that and they're buying sprouts from who's, as we hearkening back to earlier in the conversation, they're, they're buying sprouts from wherever they can get them cheapest or wherever they can get you know, what it is that they're looking for or, or gosh, who knows, maybe there's just not that many sprout sellers out there and they got to, they got to buy them from wherever they can because that that's integral to their uh, product that they have to have this on the menu and they're not willing, they're not willing to not have them. Um, they've got to have them. So they just get them from wherever. Again, I, you know, they haven't talked to me and I'm, that's a lot of speculation on my part, but that's, that's how I see the problem and what I would do to solve it. So as a consumer, don't you think that it would be really helpful if something, some of that information that you just mentioned was like on a label or marketed? The problem is it's complicated and it won't fit on a label, right? Oh, because I know it's complicated, Don, but we're <laughs> scientists and we should – we're not marketers, but the marketers can figure it out if we tell them it's important. Well, and, and maybe what the industry needs is voluntary standards, and then you can put a sticker on your product that says this meets International Sprout Growers Association safety standards or, or something to that effect. Something. I mean, if there are sprout growers who are doing the right things, they should brag about it. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I mean, you know, I, I certainly... And as a consumer, how would I know from one to the other? Right, right, right. Agreed. Well, and so. and even if they're not, I mean, this goes back to the to the transparency side of things. If more businesses shared that type of information, it pushes their competitors to do the same. And, and, and so, I mean, even if they don't have all the answers, but they say, "Look, we're, we're doing our best. We're trying to require whatever." I mean, um, the, we picked up a story last week. I think it was. Um, Wegmans, who who said we're as of September this year, we're going to require all of our um, all of our uh, fresh produce suppliers to do good agricultural practices, and and we're going to you know require a GFSI audit. And what I thought was kind of missing from that was because that's what the best piece of information we have is right now. You know, the, it's not a, it's not the the standard that's going to make sure everything is safe, but but we're going to do something, and this is how we're going to, um, how we're going to do it. So it's, I mean, it's, it, it's something, and it pushes the rest of the industry to do to do something else. Well, well and, and what, you know, go ahead, Doug. No, I, I was just going to say it's what we've seen with restaurant inspection disclosure. Um, it's got lots of limitations but it does push things and and apparently john stewart does not eat at bees anymore so that was uh exactly an excellent <laughs> an excellent bit of uh i don't know how you got him to say that doug but uh, well done 
Thank you. Um, I didn't get him to say it. <laughs> I, I wish I had that much pull, but I don't. <laughs> this is kind of what we do. Is there anything, Doug, that you want to, anything else you want to talk about? No. With us? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you, you just want to go to bed. Because it is, we it's, haven't, it, we, it's, we it's haven't mentioned it. Yeah, it's like midnight in, in Brisbane. Oh, 11.30. Oh, close no, enough. No, it is midnight. It's 11.54. I didn't have my glasses on. And God, I'm well, well we, we thank you, Doug. We thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to, to, to share with us and to have be part of this conversation. With us. And, <laughs> Any, uh, anytime, Don. You know I'm always there. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome on the podcast anytime, Doug. Maybe <laughs> next time, maybe next time we'll have it at an hour that's more amenable to uh, to you. Yeah, no, well, no and, problem. And by people want to talk to you, I think Don just means you and me, me and you, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. all I really, yeah. You know, I mean, as as we discussed, as we discussed in a couple episodes ago, um, if people knew what they wanted, they'd be making their own podcast. So, as far as I'm concerned. We're making this for you and me, yeah. And uh, and for the if, if people enjoy it, that's great. If they don't, you know, screw them. Ben, up. what did I write you yesterday uh, or the day before? I, pay attention. Uh, do something. Uh, pay yeah. attention. <laughs> do something. And I write this just for you. It's true. And I uh, and, and uh, my my response was and me for you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like little love letters. <laughs> it was. Well, early you know, on, if you're creating something, you just got to do it and uh you can't worry about the uh influence of the university or the government or whatever um got to have soul Excellent. and god damn it i'm going to owe chapman for that soundbite <laughs> <laughs> hey. oh i've got a i have a good texas story um or a good gary acuff story um, that'll, okay. that'll move into this. So, so I was, Doug, as you know, and I share with Don, um, I was at this uh, meeting a few weeks ago in Nebraska on this beef project that, that Doug and I are, are on and uh, talked about undercooked burgers and uh, Gary Acuff, who is one of my, one of my favorite people. We got to have Gary on the, on the podcast. Yeah, he's, that'd be good. He's a lot of fun. He's good. Yeah. He's a guy that every time I see him, I try to go hang out with him cause he's, has a, I think, a similar take on things that, that uh, to me. He and, does, but he's just sort of reserved about it. Yeah, <laughs> he, he is. He doesn't he's let a, you know. <laughs> yeah, until you're sitting right next to him, and he gives a lot of under the yeah. breath comments. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, as a as a southern gentleman. Should. Yeah, right, right. So, so he was. We we were having this. Uh, you know, I was giving this talk about uh, what Ellen Thomas is doing on. On, on this project where we're sending people in secret shoppers to order burgers and which, um, which you gave to me, Doug, Doug, I mean, on the, uh, uh, I'll, I'll give you Mr. Soul. You gave that idea. Um, and, uh, so, so Gary, after, after my talk, um, has a comment, he says back in, in the nineties, when we were starting to, to discuss this whole world of undercooked burgers in, in Texas, um, we wanted to put out a survey to ask people how they cooked their burgers. Um, so we had some preliminary data, but we didn't have any money. So we had to throw our survey questions on the end of a, of a political survey. <laughs> and so, so there, this was, there's, this was um, right before the, um, the, I guess, the Clinton election. 
Um, and so he said that um, they they had these four or five questions that went on the end of this 30-question survey about politics. And, um, you know, one of the questions – so they, so they got all the responses back because it was done from, by – um, you know, a university subcontract, and, and they did all sort of cross-tabulations looking at um, comparing Republicans and Democrats and their burgers. <laughs> and so Kerry said that turns out that Democrats eat more, um, you know, less risky burgers. Their burgers were, they, they self-declared that they eat more well-done burgers than Republicans did. <laughs> so, about that. yeah, I don't know where that I, I have no does idea. that mean anything? No, I just thought it was funny. I don't even know where, where I started talking, why I started thinking about it, other than I wanted to mention Gary Aka. Gary Aka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I know what it was. It was that your, um, I mean, your the article that you share with Don and I that we'll link to in, in show notes, the column, is for Gary's center at Texas A&M. And you've made it, um, you know, this, if it makes it into the final final cut, uh, this compared to this, you know, uh, note of uh, Neil Young's line of even Nixon had soul. And I think there are a lot of Republicans in Texas. I think they'll get that. (laughs) 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 That's what I I knew there was a reason why I wanted to mention it. All right, boys. Well, Don, I'm going to bed. (laughs) You do that. I'm going to start my day. Awesome. Well, Doug, thanks again for, for joining us. Um, And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again. Maybe. (laughs) Take care, Doug. Have a good night. Bye, Don. Bye. Bye, Ben. Bye. You know I book all this time for you, for us. It's our special time. It's our special time. I hold hold it. I I try to – I push push stuff off. It's – today is um, (laughs) – it's for for us, Don. I have uh, have a new – I've got a a summer student who's starting today, and so I I set her up – with a computer and with a couple other my my crew have given her some tasks to do um, because I knew that I had this going on today and I didn't know I wasn't going to spend a lot of time with her until um, until we were done the podcast. So I've got so I have time blocked out is what I'm saying. That's good. It's good. You, you take good care of your students. I, I don't I don't take such good care of my students, but um, they, they seem to thrive on uh, the lack of attention. So it makes them self-sufficient. See, I, th- I think I need to take less care of them. I don't know. Well, you know, <clears throat> I have a big research group these days and it's just uh, – fortunately, I have a couple of leaders within that group and then a couple of other folks that are kind of up-and-coming leaders. So I just encourage them. But sometimes it doesn't always work out so well. I have a, had one student um, had his uh, oral qualifying exam ex- oral qualifying exam, and um, he didn't fail it but he didn't exactly pass it. Uh, Wait which... a second. I mean, you might not want to go into details, but I think that there's a third. There's this purgatory. Is that <laughs> yes, he's in there's, purgatory. There's um, a third option, which uh, you know I will take some responsibility for. But I don't know. Managing people is hard. It is. And it, it, it is. It is hard. And every student needs a different touch. And I think this what this guy needed was a kick in the butt. And I wasn't prepared to do it. But anyway, maybe it's worked out okay. Um, but we'll see. I mean, he's a, he's a he's a good kid. And he's, uh, you know, he's he's got some talent, but <clears throat> he's, uh, I don't know, he needs to do some things differently. But I think we've got him on a, we've got him on the right track now. I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you know so. what? 
based on what you're which which is probably the reason why he hasn't done better it, it could it might it's it, it could be um what you just uh, described you could have been describing me when i was in grad school as well really were you I, a slacker in grad I, school yeah i mean I'm, i think i'm still a slacker now um, mm, well, it's, like, I, I, it's see, here's the thing. I was a slacker in grad school too. And I am, I don't, I wouldn't say slacker. I am definitely lazy and I definitely have bad habits, but I've developed like coping mechanisms, right? Like, you yeah. know, it's like, if you have learning disability, you develop coping skills. I think that's the, that's the key, right? Is that we all, we develop these ways of dealing with our own particular idiosyncrasies yeah. and kind of like what you were talking about with your story before about the <laughs> being locked out of your hotel room, right? Is yeah. you, you have a plan now, you know, you, you, you have a, a way of, <laughs> I have a drinking pre- plan is what, is what <laughs> I have a, a set of SOPs that I have in my wallet. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. In, in my phone now, it's not well, on we, a card. Yeah. You know, we we talked about this um, recently, and then and there was a, there was a recent episode of Back to Work yeah. where they were talking about hotel stuff, and I shared my tip, which is you take a picture of you know because we don't have keys anymore, right? We have cards, which for security reasons don't have your number on it, but I just always take a picture with my phone of of uh, of my room number, right? Either the, either the door of the room or the the room key f- uh, folder thingy, the, the the paper thing that they put your room key in. Yeah. Now, of course, that only only works if you have your phone but these days i almost always have my phone with me wherever i go right so so that works uh, pretty well um but but yeah you just you need you need a plan you need uh, you need coping skills and so i think i'm still every bit the slacker that i was in graduate school but i have much better coping skills now yeah that's i that's probably fair to say with uh, with me as well um I, I i i think i think more about not being a slacker than i used to does that make sense? You know, like I'm, mm-hmm. I am playing, I, I am trying to recognize my slacking ways and, and always have some new scheme or strategy to make it better. And management is part of that. I mean, that's, this is, we've talked on and off about this and on the podcast and, um, and I find it fascinating. I, you know, and that's like, like you said, that's really all that matters. Um, as long as we have a good time in the conversation. Um, but, but I am, constantly trying to figure out how to do a better job with with my students and with the people that that work for me um to to make them um you know have support that that i'm providing them and and it's this like sometimes out of guilt and sometimes out of um recognizing uh that wow if i if i give them a little bit of this support we're going to do a lot of really good things um but i never i mean it's not something I, you know, I learned a little bit of experience in graduate school when I oversaw some, um, you know, mentored overseeing such a bad word. But when I, when I mentored some, some undergraduate students who worked with me on my project, but you go from that experience to, I mean, right now I think there's, I've got 11, um, but you know, between a couple of grad, three graduate students and some, some full-time and part-time staff and some summer interns and the people that are doing the news, trying to provide enough guidance to 11 folks that all work differently is, is a task that, that, you know, I, I'm only learning on the job, right? Like it's, you don't, you don't get a lot of experience and I'm not one for, um, reading a, 
a book on management, you know, I'm, I, what I, what I really do is I ended up talking and I've talked to you about this and I've talked to, um, a good friend in the vet college, Jay Levine. I've talked to Leanne Jacobs and I've talked to Doug and really just having these conversations about, okay, so you, so you have a whole bunch of people. What do you do? How do you manage all these folks? And everyone has a different style. And I try to take little things from each of you on how to, how to do this. And, and that's, uh, it, I, you know, I feel like this will be, if I look back on my career, you know, like put myself 20, 30 years in the future and look back on my career, I feel like I'm always going to be trying to get better at this managing people thing. <laughs> and yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and you know, we talked about, we've talked about before how the, our writing buddies project is, is, is there to provide motivation. And, and yeah, I didn't realize your group was so, so large. That's 11 people is a, a lot of people to keep moving and keep balls in the air. And make sure that you're not the rate limiting step, and that's the that's the problem. That's the I'm key. I'm pretty good at keeping them engaged, but at some point it has to come back to me, and then I, invariably I become the rate limiting step. And and yeah, just as for example, this, my task for this past weekend was to edit uh, Hannah's thesis, and you, you know Hannah, she's I working Hannah. in the lab. Yeah. Uh, last summer, she's actually going to come in. She's oh yeah, she's, she's still, still, she's news. still yeah, doing she's news. One of the right. eleven. Yep, <laughs> one of the eleven, <laughs> um, and uh, and then she's coming back to North Carolina, assume, assuming that I get her thesis read, and I did. I did get it, the first draft read and got it back to her with with some feedback and some comments, but. But uh, but then she's coming back to North Carolina because she's going to do a PhD with uh, so- Sophia Cathario. Yeah. So, um, but but again, I, it's like the, those things weigh on me, and and it's like I know I got to do it, and then it's like when I sat down and actually did it, it wasn't that bad, right? It took a couple hours, and uh, it's not per- her thesis wasn't perfect, but but at least she's got some feedback now on how to make it better. And I just now that I sat down and did it, I wish I had done it a, a week ago, you know. But it's just like. Uh, it's hard, Ben. It's 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 really hard to to do these things that we don't want to do that we know that we need to do. You know, time and attention, Don. Do you think someone could time tell and us attention? About it? You know, I hear there's an <laughs> expert from the internet, but he's a pretty busy guy, and he's he's doesn't he doesn't uh, suffer fools gladly. You know, and I think I'd have to do a lot of planning in advance. <laughs> well, see if you can do that. And I've got I don't know if you know about this, but I have an open slot. In my schedule, um, when I'm at IAFP, at, at IAFP, yeah, is it is it on Wednesday? It's on Wednesday. It's like uh, huh. right around right around lunchtime. I have this yeah. open spot that I was hoping someone could help me fill um, my knowledge around time and attention. Well, and you know, the kind of person that I would want to give me advice on time and attention would be someone who's like really innately bad at it. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. you know, like someone someone who doesn't come natural to. No, someone who struggles just like I do. Yes, yes, exactly. I, you know, that person. I might ask him about how um, he would ever manage people. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I think he's unsuitable for that. Yeah, I want to know what. Like, I want that. See, these are the types of conversations that I have. Don is, is I want to know how how someone how other people approach it. And I don't want to like. I guess that's the thing is I don't want to read about it. I really want to talk to somebody about it. And even if he's unsuitable, I want to know why. And maybe I'm, you know, the, maybe I'm unsuitable for it. Well, right. And and you know, if you if you had to manage someone like that, 
um, how would you how would you do it? You know, the way that I would do it is um, I would send them weekly reminders about stuff. Like, um, you know, for example, if they were going to the meeting, I, I would ask them had they decided what plane tickets they wanted yet. Um, and, uh, and then I would, hypothetically, hypothetically speaking, hypothetically, <laughs> and I would I would keep track of that uh, hypothetically in an app like OmniFocus, uh, which they hypothetically have consulted in developing um so anyway it's a little bit a little bit twisted and a little bit meta and uh and we're being and and probably there's nobody except maybe bats <laughs> who understands what we're talking about um and i don't think he even listens anymore he's he's too busy he's, he's too busy not eating food have you seen I a picture know. of that man he looks Dude, so handsome he does look handsome I, let me let me tell you i'm i've, I've been um going through my own small um, you know, weight get into shape transformation. Oh, well, yeah, but except I see the pictures of bats, and I'm like, dude, this guy is he's he's all in. He's figured it. He's figured out the you know the the the, the trick to all of it. Um, because he looks great. He's uh, he looks. I I don't want to express my man crush for bats too much more. <laughs> uh, but I there are there are a few people that I wish I hung out with more throughout the year. And not yes. just at IFP, and he's one yes. of them. And yes. so hopefully that uh, that message makes it to him. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I look forward to seeing him in a couple of weeks. But he, damn, he looks good. He looks he's he's looking real good. Uh, so, <laughs> so so anyway, um, I, I digress my my situation of managing people uh, a, a little bit, and I'm um, all I wanted to say is I I just you know I, I feel like I'm always trying to get better at it, and I do not have it figured out at all. And I just try these different strategies all the time. Like, like I used to be, you know, have this situation where, okay. And I, I think you do this because you and I both live not, you know, really close to campus. So you try and limit your time in the car by scheduling, okay, I'm going to be on campus these days and I will stack up certain things on those days to make sure that I'm getting the most out of my time there. And then I'm going to reserve other days to not be there um, so I can do my other work. And I'm getting more to I'm I can be here for short amounts of time now and still not get the creative work that I need to be doing done. But if I'm here, I'm I'm getting better at saying, you know what, if I'm here from say ten o'clock until one o'clock, that's okay, because I will go at one o'clock and go somewhere else that is either home or in between home and, and my can my in my campus office to to get some of the work done that I am the rate limiting factor for. And, and as long as I can pitch that to the folks that I, that count on me, I'm good with that. So, so anyway, I don't know. <laughs> I'm really just rambling here, Don. I'm trying to be a better supervisor. <laughs> Always. And, and I'm trying to let you ramble because there's a lawnmower outside oh, my window. This, this what is going this on is, with you guys. This is today? such a weird podcast, right? So, so this is uh, this is if you're just listening for the first time, they're usually better than this. <laughs> um, yeah. So now uh, you know, and and Monday seems to be a day then that we often will record, and Monday is typically the day when um, there will be vacuuming and 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 lawnmowers both. Um, and so, and this, so this has just been a very, uh, weird, uh, weird podcast. We had, we had Doug on in the beginning, which was great, but this is now the rambly part that usually comes at the beginning. And I don't know, this is just, uh, this has just been a weird one. It's awesome. 
It's Bizarro. This is our Bizarro podcast. Yeah, I think so. It was good. That was a good conversation with Doug. Even uh, even the end part when um, when he was tired. When he was tired, and he was making me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. It was good to have good to have him on. Um, and and now uh, and now we're just sort of rambling about uh, like managing students and stuff, which is which is important and on my mind because, like I said, I just finished reading Hannah's thesis and I'm the rate limiting step on a bunch of other stuff, which is carefully tracked in my OmniFocus, which is your time and attention, which is my time and attention management system that I have for my phone and my computer and my iPad. Well, that's good. I've got one of those too. I've been... Did you uh, did so? Did you do you have OmniFocus for the desktop? Yeah. And did you upgrade to two? No. Ah, okay. Not yet. And I'm I, this this uh, this week is my uh, get back to OmniFocus week. I've got nothing. I, you know, Don, it's it's awesome right now that I have. I mean, literally, I have no travel until IAFP. I don't even have a Bastard. a talk. I've got like seriously three meetings on my on my calendar in between now and in in August. Um, I've got uh, a bunch of open time where, where I've scheduled and, and set at least the next um, three full weeks to to make sure I've caught up on the, all the outstanding papers and things that I want to write and then do some planning for the future. And then I'm, I'm literally taking all of July at home with my family um, to, uh, to hang out and, and get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and do some email and then hang out with the kids all day and do – some more email around three o'clock in the afternoon, and, and that's going to be my my vacation. But you're, um, but so you're not gonna you're not gonna write in July. I don't think so. I may write in the morning, but I'm probably not going to write a whole lot. I, I you know, I just I haven't. Um, I, I'm I'm going to write some blog posts um, and stay up on top of that because I really really enjoy that part of my world. Uh, but I'm going to step back from everything else and and just uh, let let the let the family dictate what we're going to do for for three weeks, and go to the pool. And you know, we, we I think we'll go to Outer Banks for a couple of days. But I'm just just looking for a little little recharge. But anyway, the next three weeks I've got also very open. Like literally, I have you know three meetings. But but I want to get caught up to where I'm comfortable stepping back for a few weeks, and then uh, and then hit things strong again in August. But I'm just uh, you know you, sometimes you hit a a, a level of of um, there's a lot going on and, and I want to reflect on some of that. And it's not, I'm not, I don't feel that I'm burnt out. I just want to make sure I'm doing things, um, not reactively that I'm, that I'm trying to plan things better. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing for the next little while. That's, that's good. I, uh, I am, <clears throat> I seem to be incapable of actually taking a long vacation like that. I can do little bits and pieces, but, uh, I just, uh, I, I can't, I can't do it. Uh, and maybe, maybe I could, if I tried harder, I could do better at it, but I seem, and again, this has turned, sort of turned into a self-help, yeah. <laughs> self-help, self-help podcast, talk. but, um, and, and yeah, and, 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 and it's, and there's a loud lawnmower outside my window oh, right okay. now too. Like, um, you know, the but, only person who's going to hear it is, uh, is, uh, deep, deep South. Who's got new headphones. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. That's so great. Oh, so yes. Thank you. Thank you to deep South for, for listening as well. Um, so what, what, what was my point in all this? I, yeah, I mean, it's just like, I work, I work all the time, but I, I, I'm okay with that. I feel, sometimes I feel guilty, but then I think, well, what else would I be doing? And, and I kind of, I kind of took, uh, I took Saturday off, right? So Saturday was my day to play video games and, and read the news, read my news feed. And I added a couple of new 
new feeds to my news feed that are not directly work related. And uh, I've been playing this stupid uh, flappy golf game. Have, have you have you heard of flappy golf? No, I'm gonna check flappy golf out. So so you've heard of flappy bird? I know right? flappy bird. Yeah. Okay. And have you heard of stickman golf? Uh, no, I've not heard okay. of stickman golf. So stickman golf is a pretty popular iPhone iPad game. And then somebody made something called flappy golf, which is where you have the flappy bird bird, where you have to tap to make the bird fly, but it's a golf ball. Anyway, you have to, it's 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 pretty good and it's pretty addictive, yeah. um, and it's free except it's a it's a dollar in app purchase to get rid of the ads. And I I played it not too long before they had my buck to get rid of the stupid ads. But um, but I want to talk I want to talk a little bit more because because apparently this this is just yeah, God this is horrible for the listeners. We're not yeah. we're not we're just rambling here. But I want to talk to you about OmniFocus. So you say you haven't upgraded to OmniFocus two on the desktop. Do you have OmniFocus? Uh, the new OmniFocus for your phone? Let's see what OmniFocus I have for my phone. Is I, it the beautiful iOS 7 looking one? It is not. It is an old, old version of it. Um, let me see what it is. Release notes. Um, oh, gosh. I'm like at 1.15.1. So, no, I don't have an iOS 7 version. It's very much the the older. I've not upgraded OmniFocus for anything. I really, I mean, I quit using it for a while, and then this, like, you know, like I said, this is my like jump back into it, um, try to get everything in order for the next little while. Uh, okay, so um, OmniFocus for the iPhone, you know, the new OmniFocus for the iPhone is gorgeous. The OmniFocus two for the desktop is gorgeous. Um, used to be my favorite, and I still really like the iPad app, but but it's in desperate need of a refresh. But now that they've refreshed the desktop one, uh, I'm sure that that's one of the things that they're working on. But anyway, um, I'm, it's not that I'm productive, and it's not that I do stuff. I just I just throw it all into OmniFocus, and it and it makes me feel better. Yeah, um, I want to do that. I want to start me- feeling better. Well, except except it makes me feel better, and then I look at that I have forty two overdue things. Yeah, <laughs> but and again, it's not. Oh, it's it's not even best practices because I've got due dates that are not really due dates, and oh, it's just a, it's just a huge mess. But but it it's beautiful to look at, and it makes me feel better. Well, good. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and jump into that. Also, um, also on my list for the next couple of weeks is, um, I know you use. What do you use for reference man- reference managing? Like you have. Uh, I- you yeah, guys. I use I use some software called Sente. Actually, right, that was Sente. top of mind too because uh, uh, Hannah is using Sente for her thesis, and um, yeah, so Sente is a Mac a Mac only app. Um, there is an iPad version which I have, but don't use too much of. Um, but the desktop version is great. It's one shared database that my students can add references to it, um, and then it just you know you put. Uh, like a code in the document. So it's like curly brace, author name, year, close curly brace. And then you can scan that document with Sente and then it generates the bibliography according to whatever reference style you need. It lets you attach uh, PDFs to the references so you can look at them. It's There are some other tools out there that some people like better, but I really like the ability to automatically generate a bibliography. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's the, the tool that, that I use. I tried, I was a long time user of something called ref manager for windows and then, um, tried EndNote, which was windows and, 
uh, Mac OS, but it was just it was a god awful port to the Mac, and it was ugly, and I didn't like it. So I switched to Sente soon after switching to the Mac. Well, and I'm so I've um, I've been using Mendeley, which has a you know a similar um, aspect to it, but I really like the iPad version of it. So I'm reading. I'm, I don't know, maybe 70 or 80% of the PDFs that I'm reading the paper-wise on my iPad. And so so Mendeley is this, you know, it, it I mean, I think it does the same thing as what Sente does. Uh, but I'm having one of our summer students is going to take all of our papers and go back historically and pull out all the PDFs that we can find and throw it into Mendeley. Um, so I can have, I, I, I've got this hit and miss database where it's been like, three or four different versions of it and none of it's all updated so that's that's one of the things i want to make sure i have by the end of this summer as well yeah i'm just looking at the mendeley website right now and it looks like it's free um it's free for individual use it's like 50 bucks a month for multiple group users oh 50 bucks a month yeah it's a little bit expensive Ooh, yeah because with uh with with sente it's uh, it, it's it's much more affordable in the long run and that's to me that's what's key is that it has to be one shared database that we can all yes. add to yeah um, because i don't have time to add all the references that my students are finding but i want to know them and i want to have them so for me sente works so that's interesting yeah so interesting what, model yeah i mean that's I, I think i have the same um goal maybe i don't know ah. Maybe I'll uh, take a look at Sente this week too. Oh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it works. It works for me. Again, there's you know, and one of the things that I follow in RSS is all the the comments. And it's and the the Sente group is a small group, and sometimes there are bugs that, that they don't fix, uh, that, and that can go on for a long time. Like there's one there's one bug or one problem where you generate a bibliography and it puts a period after every. Uh, word in the journal name um, so, you have to go uh, so you have to so so if if the abbreviation of the word is uh, food for example you have to manually go through and, and get rid of those um, so it's a there you know there are long-standing bugs like that but but I'm I am in in for the the long haul uh, until they really break something dramatically bad because for the most part it works for me yeah and it works the way that I work and it works the way I want my students to work. Well, well, that's cool. This is a weird episode, Ben. It is. Should this we is just, really weird. Should we finish it? <laughs> we should. I'm even wondering if we should post it. Oh no, we're posting it. <laughs> Are you kidding? This is going up. Um, we uh, we need to uh, we need to let everyone know that this is sometimes it doesn't go as exactly how we wanted it to. We'll fix it in post, though, right? Yeah, we'll fix it in post. This is this is good. Um, we uh, no, this is. We, just if if we didn't if we don't post it it never happened that's <laughs> uh, see well what done. i did there yeah nicely done yeah um okay well well hey maybe we should just finish it now okay <laughs> all right um good uh um thanks for making time again and um thanks to doug uh for joining us that was that was a lot of fun it was always, it's always good to catch up and uh, foodsafetytalk.com is where we post these things, and people can comment at uh, iTunes or on uh, the Food Safety Talk website or send us a message, and we'll, uh, we'll talk about stuff um, that they, they want us to talk about if we like it.
And, and if we think about it, and if we're organized enough. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of speaking of disorganized, I, I really I got very confused about which episode we were on, and but apparently there we just posted sixty two, and but and apparently we have sixty three somewhere. We do. But you know what? What confused me is I could not find um, my like I saved the, all of my open tabs from Safari. And I could not find where I had done that for sixty three. So, um, but uh, but you but, you but got I have the show, the show notes, so it doesn't really matter <laughs> for you. Um, that's okay. I think it'll I think it'll work out. <sighs> uh, yeah. So we'll post up sixty three. This is episode sixty four, uh, meaning that uh, next in line will be uh, episode sixty five. Sixty five. And uh, we retired. We were, yeah, exactly. We were retirement age, but I feel like, I feel like we'll work past retirement age. And that's what I'm planning on doing. Yeah. Because apparently I can't even take vacations. Right, right. I, uh, we'll see if I can. (laughs) I, I, it's a great thing that you're doing. You know, I, while we're, while we're being all weird and rambling, I really, both my kids tell me it's okay, but I feel like, uh, especially when I look at you and bats and Merlin and Doug, Doug, and his 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 uh, his fifth daughter, like how much time you guys spend with your kids, and I, I make me makes me think I was a bad father. Oh, you weren't a bad father. You're well, my kids have told me that, but I, I'm not sure I believe them. Oh, don't uh, don't beat yourself up. <laughs> this is a self help po- podcast. <laughs> I uh, you know I I enjoy um, I this is why I chose the the career and path that that I'm in is uh, you know I can. Feel like I can uh, make these things happen and hang out with the, with the family as much as as much as I want. And I, I mean, there's there's definitely some level of guilt on. That's why I think I'm a slacker sometimes on um, getting stuff done and and being able to manage it all. But uh, you know, just uh, it's all it's all worth it for me. So <laughs> I'm sure it was worth it for you, too, Don. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I, I mean, my kids are uh, my kids are are relatively unscrewed up, and uh, they, they have uh, they have good lives, and uh, and I do, and I do too. So yeah. Well, that's good. Hey, and you, hey, and you're going to get to meet them at IAFP. Oh, so both, awesome. uh, I've invited both of my sons to come, um, and and they are both coming, uh, and they are both uh, bringing their girlfriends. Um, so you'll get to meet uh, them. And um, also, my ex-wife is coming. Awesome! Well, <laughs> so you'll you'll get to meet uh, everybody. F- fantastic! It's, it's is... gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be really an interesting meeting. <laughs> I, I, I'm all about. Interesting. I'm not sure what I've created, but it's gonna, yeah. I look forward to um, you know, episode seventy when we talk about it. <laughs> yes, right. It's gonna be awesome. Good. Well, hey. Um, all right. Thanks. Thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> all right. Bye, bye, Ben. Bye, bye. <laughs> And now the lawnmowers are gone. Oh, perfect, perfect. Uh, you know what? The lawnmowers were not all that uh, distracting. You're good. Really? Okay. Yeah, they no, were very so loud to me. So yeah, no, you're you're totally good. Right. Um, so my turns out my internet now is amazing. <laughs> sadly, out. sadly, the content for this podcast, other than Doug's uh, Doug's awesome guest appearance, um, uh, was not. Ah. But <laughs> hey, can't. Uh... Can't hit the can't hit the ball out of the park every time. Now. Every time, every yeah. time. Uh, no, no crying in baseball, Ben. No, no crying in baseball.
we're just on special. Uh, it's like when uh, Beverly Hills 90210 had a summer season where they just did like six episodes at the beach club as opposed to their normal <laughs> plot. That's what we've got. <laughs> or, or like when the Brady Bunch went to Hawaii. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Man, it's going to be funny to do it in person. Mm. Yeah, Got to make it happen. Um, okay. So that's a go. Excellent. What else is going on? Do we need to schedule? Probably nothing. But we have a couple of... I mean, so really, we're going to have two episodes that we'll post, and that'll take us to, like, the week of the 7th of July anyway. Mm-hmm. So we're... We may have, a you know, a few weeks off, but... <laughs> after after this episode posts, I don't think we'll have any listeners. <laughs> Well, it's good because it'll subscribing. be people keep subscribing. People keep subscribing. It'll it'll be when we're on hiatus by the time this gets up. <laughs> it'll be it'll be just fine. Oh uh, dear, I appreciate your uh, positivity. I'm full of positivity because really, it's amazing that anyone listens to it anyway. <laughs> well, I enjoy doing it, and and Me we know too. some people listen. Yeah. Um. Cool. Okay. Well, let's. That's. I think that's our after dark. 